Hey there! Are you tired of waiting for the next episode of It's Probably Not Aliens? Well, we've got some good news for you. On Nebula, our streaming service, you can get access to all our episodes a week early. That's right, you'll never have to wait again to hear Scott and I debunk the latest ancient astronaut theory or get a movie fact wrong. But that's not all. Nebula is home to dozens of content creators we know you like, so you can find all your favorites in one place. Plus, we post content on there that you won't find anywhere else. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and listen to the next episode right after this one. wanted to open with an apology yes i have written a formal statement and i did not want you to see it because i think that it's important that i think it's just important i'm just i'm just going to kind of get into it yeah yeah yeah. you have the floor we need to preface the the next thing so um dear friends from the country of germany Mm -hmm. as the host of the podcast it's probably not aliens i tristan johnson wish to extend my sincerest apologies for the less than accurate representation of your beautiful language and culture I can and will be committing with glee in our upcoming episodes. Okay. We are embarking on a journey to cover the an ancient aliens episode focused yeah. entirely on your country. And I must confess, my German pronunciation will not be up to RDR standards. I mm. have always held a deep admiration for German culture. For instance, I've always been in yeah. awe of Germany's incredible contribution to global entertainment, particularly the invention of the game Dance Dance Revolution, which they created in yeah. 1949. That's awesome. What a time to be alive that must have been. Your innovative spirit never ceases to amaze. Speaking of innovation, the German love of complex board games and simulation video games is something I deeply respect. The dedication yeah. to perfecting leisure through more work is a concept only the brilliant German mind could cherish. I also must express my profound respect for Germany's musical maestros, Johann Strauss, Wolfgang Mozart, and the legendary DJ Funky Beats have all all equally important have all in my mind played pivotal roles in shaping the symphony of German culture. Their music Mm. transcends time and is part of the greatness of Germany's contribution to our global tapestry. I must also pay homage to the legendary German leader Paul Deroctopus. His leadership during a hard time for your people left the world in awe in your struggle against the Brazilians. To finish, I want to share a quote from a German poem that I believe encapsulates the deep passion, humility, and beautiful soul of your people. Disco pogo, ding-a-ling-a-ling, ding-a-ling-a-ling, Ali Atzensein. This this profound verse speaks volumes about the joy, love, and the essence of German culture, being relaxed, carefree, fun, easygoing, and passionate. In conclusion, I hope you accept this apology with the same grace that characterizes your wonderful culture. I look forward to continuing to explore and celebrate the rich tapestry of world history and culture, albeit with a few mispronunciations along the way. If we meet in person, I hope we can still share a beer or one of your country's iconic poffertjes. Herrlich Grüße, Tristan Johnson. That's great. What a good and look, if we do get stuff wrong it, and you are German, it's okay to be a little sour crowd. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also want to remind everybody of Mamma Mia's Law uh, for the sake of this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> which uh, is, which is, in case people are new. Yeah, Mamma Mia's Law is a rule that it is perfectly okay to make fun of and uh, lean into stereotypes of any culture as long as that culture was involved in colonization at a point in its last few hundred years. And there are there are people on the African continent who have a yeah. experience of German colonization that I yes. think uh, that 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 qualifies. I think so. Well, what a great way to start to start this episode. We don't usually have. A, <laughs> we don't <laughs> usually apology. have to start our episodes with formal apologies. Uh, but- we don't normally have to do that. Uh, this is also going to be fun because typically on episodes, uh, this is a podcast. We'll talk about what it's about in a second. But typically when we dive into pseudo history, pseudo archaeology, it's like a fun twist. We're at the end or the middle or somewhere along the way we go. Oh, by the way, Nazis. Uh, and we're like, <laughs> oh, dang. And I'm like wondering how quick are we going to get into Nazis this time? Uh, my answer guess is, is pretty quick. <laughs> the answer here is immediately so the long story <laughs> short is that we are uh we have transitioned out of the episode on underground aliens and we are currently entering into an episode that is merely titled aliens and the third reich <laughs> so- great <laughs> <laughs> so we're here yeah um unbelievable so, so this is a podcast mm-hmm. and uh we talk about uh ancient aliens the tv show uh ancient astronaut theory the concept and pseudo archaeology, pseudo-history, all that good stuff, uh, pseudo-science even. And uh, we look at those claims with a discerning eye of approximately a couple hours of just basic Google searching, if I could say that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not the one who does it. I'm Scott Nicewander. I know nothing. I come into this pretty unprepared, uh, except I do have a very uh, exciting thing, which is that after months of not uh, after months of being out of commission let's say i finally have the soundboards back up and running baby yeah we're gonna have to issue a second formal apology for that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but i'm not here alone who are you my name is tristan johnson and i dedicated way too much time to writing that formal apology including taking it to kelly and being like is this too much (laughs) Uh please tell me this is not too much can i go harder okay that's too far what did she say well what did she say she was like it's probably fine it's probably probably fine that's how that's what we do here on it's probably not aliens the biggest thing that's weighing on our head on our heads is that uh we have a couple neighbors who have started listening to the podcast who uh, are from germany and i know that this is like specifically going to get to their ears well um, sorry about the sauerkraut joke that's all i can apologize it's all for. good it's i've all not good. done anything else yet <laughs> they are good natured it's all right all right so we're talking about aliens and the third reich great yeah that's that's so it's oops all nazis edition for the next uh little while i think now this is why i wanted the soundboard up and running because you've been doing we've been having this little bit at the start of every episode where you go over the claim by doing what they do in the tv show which is by Mm -hmm. saying millions of people around the world believe and so i thought i could augment that with a musical stinger if that's okay sure let's get into the claim yeah Millions around the millions of people <laughs> immediately, <laughs> millions of people around the world believe that what we know about the rapid advancement in technology during World War II of the Nazi regime has more to it than we Whoa. like to think. What? So 
this is where we're kind of uh, this is the kind of general vibe of what we're going to be ex- uh, exploring over the next uh, you know as we cover this episode. Were the Nazis in possession of alien technology, or were they merely or- in possession of hyper advanced sci fi technology that we refuse? to acknowledge uh, and embrace because of reasons that nobody is ever very clear about. So those are the only two explanations. Yeah. Is that it's either aliens or super highly advanced regular technology that it, that we're keeping hidden. Shh, don't talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's sort okay. of the two things we're going on. And today we're going to talk about uh, the first sort of guy they go into uh, when talking about it, which is a guy by the name of Victor Schauberger. Victor Schauberger. going into a guy. Yeah. Uh, um, who might have invented a flying saucer for the Germans, as we know from okay. all the German flying saucers that we saw. And Love also, uh, in the process, invented anti-gravity, possibly free energy. Okay. Can I, I... I know I bring up, like, inconsistencies with ancient aliens and ancient astronaut theory, but can we really say he invented anti-gravity if they also think that that is how they moved the Moai statues? Stop asking completely rational questions. Okay, all right, my bad. I'm so sorry. Uh, that's I, I'm on board. I have to believe they needed a, this is they the needed hardest a continuity. <laughs> uh, they needed is, a continuity editor on board for the script of the show. Uh, this is Angelia. the hardest episode. This is the hardest episode for me to like play my role on this show. Of like, all right, I'm on board because it is inherently Nazi shit. So I don't want to be on board. Yeah. Uh, but I will, I'll play the part, I guess, a little bit. He made a flying saucer, mm-hmm. invented anti-gravity, free energy. What even is that? So we'll get into it. Yeah. So yeah, please. The big thing about Tell this me. situation that is like important to kind of lay out is that um, this episode, we're like, I think like maybe like 10 episodes into ancient aliens at this point. And uh, the Nazi stuff, it's like immediately they go to, first of all, speaks to history channel, which before it became aliens was like nazi channel but then uh that's true the fact is that like the myths that they are prepared that they're like trying to push about the uh the nazis is that they were secretly actually super advanced and had really smart technology and they were like uh-huh. way ahead of their time and this is very pervasive to give you a, like a, a very clear idea of like like the idea of like that nazis were into esoteric occult high-tech stuff is huge i just think of like captain america and the laser luger that i very much wanted to have at one oh, point yeah uh yeah i always like my immediate thought when i was watching this episode was of all of the very funny technology that whoever made the designs for the first captain america movie had to make where like yeah they had to make like high-tech like high-tech giant planes but it also had to look like it was the 40s so like they had like jet engines that also had propellers on them and like yeah and uh well they they didn't know any better they just thought that was how you should do it and the thing that i wanted the most which was the red skulls laser luger which looked like a luger pistol that shot lasers (laughs) yeah very much so yeah that is what i'm thinking about now hydra is very much in that movie very much was like we are this experimental science mythological branch of nazis until red skull gets all these powers and he's just like i don't even care about hitler anymore i'm not even a nazi i'm a different thing now and that's like a big that's actually like a major thing in like this 
area of crankery. So we're obviously veering very close into where uh, far right esoteric politics meets with like um, mm. not like our kind of weird cultural fascination with Nazis. And one ah. of the things that always comes up is like this idea that like, yeah, the Nazis were advancing, like, developing advanced technology that they had uh, discovered all of these like esoteric or occult powers that they were using, which um, two immediate things come to mind, which is one, um, how, why did they lose if they had like sci-fi technology? Uh, two, <laughs> they couldn't, they didn't know how to wield it. It was too powerful for them. Yeah. And two, where would it, where is that today? Because if that stuff was real, would we not have it? Because like the thing is mm. when Germany was defeated in world war two, uh, going Oh, and two on the world wars on that front, um, mm-hmm. they had two opposing superpowers carve up the country and each of them got like, you know, different parts of the Nazis, like, you know, technology programs. And they had diametrically opposed, like, you know, political orientations to each other. So there's no idea. There's not really much of a concept that like, if there was like a sci-fi technology in Nazi Germany, that like, both, that, that we would get the, the Americans and the Soviets would both just agree to not use them against each other and also to keep them secret mutually. <laughs> well, it was, you know, shield swooped in and gathered up all of the cool Hydra technology uh, and is keeping uh. them. And S.H.I.E.L.D. is sort of like a world organization. They're not really beholden to any particular country. So, like, I think that's all of its leadership is American and all of their stuff is American and all of their stuff looks like American military technology. Yep, 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 yep. yep. (laughs) Don't think about it. Just just don't ask questions. Again, we're asking too many questions. Yeah. uh, So, like, there's the The cardinal sin of this podcast is we ask too many questions. There's so many many Marvel movies where, like, American guys, like, where, like, American troops and stuff are in places. And I'm like, they're not supposed to be there. Like, why? Like, like there was like that they were like raiding that like uh, weapons depot or whatever in like uh, somewhere in West Africa with uh, with what's his name Andy Circus on it and I was like yeah yeah uh, did the Americans ask that like country if they could be there <laughs> like like Tristan that is the entire plot of Civil War is they need is like they need oversight and regulation and, and then the Captain America is that it's bad that oversight and regulation is bad it's if, yeah it's complicated but yeah anyway America we're not a movie I mean, podcast yeah, we're not a movie podcast. <laughs> Um, so like, but like, yeah, the idea is that like the cult, like the cold war wouldn't have like exposed this. And the thing, and the third thing I can also say is that there was the secret Nazi super web, uh, super program that had the secret technology because the, the technology was rockets, uh, and the U S and Soviets both clamored to rehabilitate as many Nazis as they possibly could in order to, yeah. uh, jumpstart their, their rocket free program. Was it like cool space energy rockets? It was um, fuel rockets that could make things go to sp- fueled by like yeah. the Tesseract energy or like the wonderful the, the, the Tesseract technology of liquid oxygen and kerosene. <laughs> oh, OK, cool. The most famous. So like I know that the Soviets had a version of this as well, but uh, the most famous one that I know about because I'm American historian is Operation Paperclip, where the Americans yeah. took a bunch of high ranking Nazi rocket scientists and were like, hey, war crimes. Didn't see any on this list. Want to come uh-huh. to America? Want free citizenship? Also want to be head of NASA? Do you just want to be head yep. of NASA? You use slave labor to build rockets and your brother directly saw like, you know, like, like, like literal slave labor of people who are like in concentration camps, build your rockets and you want to be head of NASA. You want to just be yep. 
Yeah. Hey, yeah. look, we we've been we've been criticizing a little bit the the po- politics of the Marvel movies, but this is also a big plot point in the second Captain America movie, where they find out that uh, Shield is actually Hydra because they've just been folding in all these people who are ab- obviously bad people, and they're just like, yeah, but we like your brain. Do you want to help us build stuff? And they're like, yeah, sure. I'll stop being evil. Just kidding. I'm gonna keep being evil. I'm gonna be an evil computer person now. Uh, but yeah, like in uh in my one of my favorite shows right now, which will surprise literally nobody for all mankind made by like D space nine and Battlestar Galactica alumnus Ron D Moore, mm-hmm. uh, which, yeah. which kind of like outlines like my favorite idea of an alternate history, which is like, what if things were actually better than they are now? Uh-huh, I of, like that. Yeah. Uh, Cause I don't know if you, have you heard of the show? I do know of the show. I've heard really good things about the show. I've never seen it. The oh. premise, I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong. Cause again, I've not seen it, but I believe the premise is what if the Soviets won the space? race or something like that basically like the soviets beat america to the moon they land on gotcha. the moon before this before america and what that results in is that richard nixon being richard nixon's like i refuse to get shown up by the soviets so we're going to make the first moon base and basically the space oh. race just kind of keeps going harder and it just like mm. every season goes forward like decades and it's like this time we're going to be the first we're racing to mars in the 1990s and like you know, that kind of stuff um, oh that's fun but uh one of the one of the sort of dream things that it gets through and one of my favorites is that Werner von braun the not that was uh, tapped and had his um, his his past sanitized so that he could uh, mm. lead NASA's rocketry program. Uh, actually, they have a whole thing where when P- Apollo 11 fails and they're like looking for someone to blame, they're like, well, the head of NASA is a Nazi. Why don't we just like throw him under the bus? And he has to like, like testify in front of Congress right. about all the shit he knew. And like, it's like, it's mm-hmm. I'm like, I would love, I would love because Werner von Braun's one of those people who never had to face justice for the things that he was associated with. And I, oh, gosh. the reason I'm, I'm laying all this out is because a lot of the times when we're going to talk about Nazi science, we are talking about like this war program that was one based on some insane theories about the world and how science works that were completely not based in reality. They were based on Mm -hmm. like literal Nazi race science and just this concept of how like they would reject any physics that was developed by Jewish people. So they like ignored big parts of like how, how physics worked. And so they had a lot of like crazy sci-fi ideas, but none of them worked because they were based on this insane uh, concept of how like the, the, the insane racial theories of the Nazis. And like Mm -hmm. the idea that the Nazis were like this, like, you know, technological superpower is based on them thinking up a bunch of stupid ideas that never worked. And like they poured a bunch of resources Mm. into developing these stupid ideas that never worked. Mm. And then the second part of it, too, is that they had this thing called the Wunderwaffen program, which I think we talked about in a previous episode where Wonder Weapon. Yeah. When the Germans were starting to uh, lose World War Two, they Uh started a program that was like to turn the war around. Let's like think of like some like, you know, like sky, like, you know, like moonshot type things that could turn the war around for us. And some of them were very close to becoming a reality, like uh, before rockets, like making a artillery using like controlled explosions to make an artillery shell that could, they could actually fire so far that it would go across the English channel. But some were like, what if we were, because we basically lost the the naval war at this point, uh, what if we were able to turn battleship engines into tank engines, which would require Mm. making these absurdly large tanks? (laughs) (laughs) So they just had they just had a lot of imagination and not a lot of restraint or scientific rigor. <laughs> scientific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that as well. Yeah. Uh, so like th- this is like the main thing. And so uh, Victor Schauberger is like one of the kind of people who falls into this 
milieu. So here's the thing about, about here's who Victor Schauberger is. Victor Schauberger was this, I'm not going to say scientist for some reasons I'll get into later, but he's, okay. he's often portrayed as a scientist who had this uh, very, like this interesting interest or had this interest in fluid dynamics, you know, sort of physics of how fluids move and sure. uh, spent a lot of time in nature. And he was very interested in things about like how water flows. He saw things like how, how does a trout in fast moving water seemingly without much effort stay completely still while like fast water is moving around it. And he thought that was like, that's like, there's something profound in that. And I mean, I would say right off the bat, I, I agree. Nature's cool. All right. Yeah. So he, uh, but he developed a whole theory that like water has these, like there's like this power that you can generate from water that comes from creating vortices in a very specific fashion. Okay. And that you could use this, like he had this whole theory about implosions, that implosions can generate more energy than explosions, which mm. turned out to be mostly wrong, but not entirely wrong, because that's actually like the sort of uh, stuff behind nuclear bombs, but nuclear bombs use chain reactions and stuff too, but that's gotcha. But, um, so he had this whole theory that water flow could be used to do things like generate energy from like low flow water uh, that you could right. that you could make a water treatment system by using vortices and the opposite, uh, the idea of implosions to clean chemical water, like clean chemicals out of water, which I learned later. There's a Swedish company that actually took this principle and is using it not to the extent that he thought it could be used, but use it to an extent that like you could. And it's a clever idea that if you have like water that's full of crap and you put it through this like sort of uh this sort of des- this device that's designed to make it so that the water that flows through it starts to turn into a really fast for- vortex like a tornado that yeah debris or anything that's like kind of like like that you don't want in it will start to gravitate towards the center and then you could just use a vacuum to suck that part out and it's like a way to purify yeah. water without using chemicals interesting it's still a work in progress and i imagine that it's not going to be the only solution but like that is an example of like one of schauberger's ideas that sort of had fruit but not in the way that he imagined it and we'll get into that in a second okay but he had a bunch of these like random inventions or ideas that revolved around this concept of his his like obsession with fluid dynamics and vortices but what he's mostly known for is something called repulsine which is this uh according to according to books that came out like 50 years after world war ii Uh was this flying saucer shaped aircraft that uh that that schauberger was working with the nazis to develop for the german air force that would use his vortex technologies to basically create a form of anti-gravity and okay so when the claims say that he invented a flying saucer and anti-gravity that was like a one in the same yeah they were like his idea of vortices led to a concept of anti-gravity and the really sad part about this is that the guy they get to bring in to talk about this is is victor schauberger's grandson oh just like and then i look this guy up and he's like a uh He's his job is primarily in the paper industry. And then his other his side hobby huh. is promoting the legacy of his grandfather. And it's just like, oh, this guy's like, it's a sad. It's, it's just like you can tell like it's the what like, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, he is German. So the idea that like being, you know, um, being excited about the 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 paper, paper. industry yeah. would be would, yeah. might be more on brand. But um, but like the fact that he's like trying to cling on to this legacy, it'd probably be like, oh, my grandfather invented anti-gravity. And it's like uh, or my grandfather. Yeah, it's just like, OK, I was joking about the paper why would germans be excited about paper i was saying that as a joke just because of the like just like the joke about like industrial like german industry and oh, like, okay you know, like 
the fact that they like their their favorite board games are like you know paper mill simulator or something like that you know oh gosh um they're the you remember when anderson cooper learned that his one of his like great great ancestors was like a slave owner and he was like wow fuck that guy yeah that feels like a, a, a sort of opposite thing to this situation where this grandson is like my grandpa was so cool just forgive don't learn don't think about the nazi stuff that he did though yeah uh we'll get into it gets it's a little more complicated than that but okay all um, right but yeah let's but like let's get into like who actually victor schauberger really was uh Mm -hmm. so victor schauberger like many people who we call germans was born in austria (laughs) um (laughs) okay uh and uh i love the description that i got was he was an austrian forest caretaker naturalist philosopher inventor and pseudoscientist um great noticed scientist not on there at all (laughs) yeah no 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 not without the the prefix pseudo in front of it no um he was born in 1885 so he was definitely part of like the sort of uh you know his middle age by the time the war broke out but it put him in his like 60s he came from a family of foresters and spent much of his childhood in the forest exploring natural phenomena and his formal education is in forestry i mean he's obviously again very excited about paper yeah so well, this is, that's i don't his know grandson. Where it comes his from. grandson got it later right the paper yeah, had to yeah, come yeah. down several ways. But it runs in the genes. Yeah. So he spent a lot of time, if you think about it, it's kind of like a betrayal because he's like, we were about protecting forests and now you're turning forests into paper? <laughs> I just wanted the forest to be in everyone's house in the form of paper. Ah, there you Grandpa, go. Grandpa, Grandpa. Most notably, there are things that in his formal education did not happen, like science or going to okay. school for like, say, like a master's degree in engineering or fluid dynamics or physics or any of those kinds of things okay. that you might. Interesting. Yeah. That sounds important. If, if you're getting into the work of that field. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm. Uh, but he his first job was with the Austrian Forestry Commission, where he spent a lot of time doing water management, uh, where he where in he, he lived in and he was a forest clerk for a place called Grossschweinbach, which is in lower Austria. Anytime you do German pronunciations, you always like pause and saying, then you, you try to say it, it. I don't know if this is intentional or not, but you do try to say it as like loud as you can. Gosweinbach. <laughs> Um, is, mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying it the proper way, obviously. Yeah, um, but clearly. he had, but one of the things that he did when he was like working in water management here is that he had a fascination with how it flowed. And this is where he like, you know, he noticed the fish and like this kind of stuff. And that's where he was like, ah, there might be something to this. And he's like, I'm going to start. Inventing that was things. his, that was his apple from falling from a tree moment. Yeah. And how, like, you know, if you look at like the way water flows, there's vortices, there's spirals and other shapes. Like water doesn't flow straight. It flows in like curves and it makes like little yeah. vortexes and like all sorts it of stuff. It doesn't like that. flow straight. It's gay water. Yeah. It's the, all water is gay. This is true. All water is gay. That's why that's how the water turns the frogs gay because all water is gay at the end of the day. Because all water is gay. We yeah. cracked it. Yeah. Get Alex on the phone. Um, so his conclusion was, and this is part that doesn't make it into a lot of the more scientific descriptions, is that he basically came to the conclusion that water has to be a living organism that has its own energy and intelligence. Oh, oh okay. Hold on. I was on... <laughs> I was like following pretty like closely, like, all right. Yeah. Water and the way it flows and vortices. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, it's alive. 
No, I don't think water itself is alive. We did establish <laughs> earlier that water apparently fucks, but it isn't alive. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Uh, yeah. So like he came to this conclusion and there's like a whole other thing that we'll probably have to get to at some point on this show, just knowing the trajectory of what we're going, where there's this uh-huh. whole other form of pseudoscience that believes that water can remember things and that it has its own like energy and power of its own. That's sort of like the, the theory behind like homeopathy and stuff uh, and like a weird like like a uh, sort of uh, like uh, what's his name like Deepak Chopra type like quantum woo shit that we might have to deal with at some point. I um I might end up cutting this out of the episode so I'll leave a little marker here for me just in case but I used to work at a place that I won't name but they did something along the lines of covering Disney movies and one of the theories they were trying to make a video about and I don't know if they ever actually did is this exact thing in relation to like Frozen and how like in Frozen 2 there were like all those memories that were frozen in time with actual water and ice and things and they were trying to bring up this exact theory and I believe a couple of us in the office tried so hard to talk them off the ledge of bringing this, bringing that idea up of like water has memories as like an actual scientific thing. Oh no. Just like, I don't think that's a thing. And so I don't know if they ever actually made that video, but we tried hard to talk them off of that ledge. Anyway, (laughs) I've never seen frozen Two, but Mm -hmm. uh, the more I, every time I hear about it, I'm more like that movie seems to really go some places. (laughs) It's all over the place, but we're not a movie podcast. Yes. It's a movie that, yeah, it does seem to get distracted, uh, like us. Um, so yeah, that is the main thing is that, uh, he believed that water was alive and that if it, and if this, this kind of goes to the water being gay theory, he believed that if water was forced into a straight artificial channel, that it's natural energy and life-giving properties would be, would, would, it would, they would lose them. It would lose oh its natural energy and life-giving properties. So like, you know, that's conversion therapy on the yeah, water, conver- forcing it to be straight. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Let the water be gay. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, he uh-huh. uh, wanted to, and this is like not even a bad thing, but he like, he thought that like we should have a, har- a more harmonious relationship with nature. And he saw water as life's uh, earth's lifeblood and tried to like, his big thing was environmental damage. And from what I'm learning later, and I'll kind of get into, I'll get into this later, but like his, like a lot of his like interests seem to be about wanting to preserve nature. Like the fact that the things that he invented were like, yeah. um, like the, some of his inventions that he pushed forward on his own without the Nazis involvement were like a way to purify water that doesn't involve using a lot of energy or a way to generate energy from water that doesn't require building a whole turbine or like, you know, like this is stuff I can get behind. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And the other thing too, is that he, he had this whole system that he developed of different types of water. Like there was like water could be young or old and like oh. <laughs> that had like, you know, it had energy. So like he was like, you know, water that is like distilled or sterile is like immature or it's like juvenile and you have to ripen water by like having it go through like a spring oh. in a forest in order to be like, like that water is better at doing things than mm. like the other ones. So like it, it, again, this just shows like the, not, not to like, you know, like knock the guy too hard, but like this ex- is exactly like, this is the, the, the mentality that he has about why water does what it does that then he's approaching to fluid dynamics and physics and his inventions, which is like, it's sort of mixing to like, he's not off to a good start. Fluid, Yeah. Fluid dynamics and stuff is a very scientific thing. Whereas, 
uh, aging, wa- like the water is a living thing that can be old or young, sort of not based in uh, that same sort of science. Yeah. So it's complicated, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was his thing. Uh, after the war, he ended up going to the US for a while, but he didn't really like his experience there. So he ended up going back to Austria at a certain point. He ended up dying mm. in 1958. Um, kind of oh. disappointed. The thing is that it's really hard to tell um, because basically starting at around World War II, his biography gets very, very vague and uh-huh. you don't really learn much until like he just like uh, it just gets written down that he died in the 50s. So this was the part where like this was going to start off as a biography episode, but then I, I got kind of uh, sidetracked for several hours because it's like his his trail very much goes cold, like huh. in like the 30s and then doesn't show up again until after the war. Huh. Mysterious. What happened between the 30s and the 50s? Yeah, for real. Um, so what I'm going to say is that there are some more speculative or at least like not fully verified ideas about what his time was like in the Nazi regime. And and so I'm just going to preface this, that this is a mix of like stuff being said by like relatives of his or by okay. people who might have made shit up or yep. you know, things that are not like nothing, like nothing based out of like verified history. So I would take this with a giant mountain of salt and it's going to be like contradictory and inconsistent because this is just a list of things people have said about what his time in the Nazi regime was like, basically. Perfect. Okay. It's, it's enough salt to make sauerkraut. I've made sauerkraut before. That's my second sauerkraut joke. Uh, you need cabbage and salt. That's all you need. And I'm a big sourdough guy. I make sourdough. I have a starter that I have been taking care of for years. Oh, that's cool. I didn't. Yeah, know. yeah. Actually, those Germans um, that I'm, I'm that said, uh, my neighbors—they're the ones who uh, gave it to me. His name is Dwayne, or son nice. of Dwayne. I well, guess. Well, thank you. Thank you for the sourdough. So that's so anyways, this is the bit about his experience with the Nazi. So apparently he had and like this is the part like I'm not going to be too like I mean, in retrospect, we all should have been harder on this. But uh, he had a positive relationship with the Nazi regime when they mm. took over Austria or even before that, because but but like keep in mind that like there was a lot of people who did because they weren't they either didn't appreciate how bad or how like how far this shit was going to go or like didn't get the sure. full picture because the Nazis were weren't exactly forthcoming with everything that they wanted to do all the time. But even so, the fact that they still campaigned on like open anti-Semitism does mean that like you're you're a little bit not off the hook on this. Um, yeah. But I guess that uh, according to this, Schauberger had this idea, like he the idea because one of the things that the Nazis did do and that they were kind of like novel for doing uh, uh, is uh-huh. that and this kind of comes to the fact that German, German that the Nazi party came out of like romanticism, uh, the sort of mm. romantic movement and the, which sort of led to like the birth of nations and nationalism, which led to like the, the Nazi party, that they had this sort of uh, romanticization of things like nature. And so the Nazis yeah. were like one of the first parties to have like actual like environmental protection laws <laughs> well Schauberger did did like the trees yeah and that's what he that that's apparently what attracted him to the party there's a lot like the Nazis also put in like some of the first anti-smoking laws and right like uh, first public health type things like it's just like part of the 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 the, the, the shit that you kind of have to you just kind of have to eat when you're talking about this stuff yeah broken clock right well yeah well I mean they all did it because they wanted to create a pure and strong German nation that would uh, defeat the lesser races in the great struggle for survival and oh, okay. shit so, so it wasn't. It's yeah, not like they okay, did it for yeah. good. It's not like they did it because they like <laughs> genuinely love the earth or anything. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. But uh, because he was attracted to it, he eventually was reportedly uh, appointed as an advisor to address water management issues in the the greater the Third Reich and. 
then things get very controversial and debatable because and this is like where ancient aliens would step in. They would say that during World War II, he then somehow got st- uh, pulled into aviation research where he was working on these experimental flying disc because the Nazis like thought that his vortices were like a sort of anti-gravity thing. And then they pulled him in to build a flying machine based on these principles that he had like written about. Huh. So it wasn't necessarily his idea. They were just like, you're doing some interesting stuff with fluid dynamics. Can you make a little spaceship? Theoretically, at least that is what several of his family members who seem to be very intent on talking about how much of an arm's length he kept himself from the Nazi regime. I see. I see. No, you see, he pinch of salt. again. He joined the Nazi regime because he liked their environmental policy and he got you know, his ideas were so brilliant that they forced him into research on the war effort. And like, mm, you know? it was not his idea at all. He didn't even want to be there. Yeah. He complained the whole time. He said, oh, these Nazis, am I right? Ugh. Yeah. And this this happens a lot when we're talking about people trying to like rehabilitate people who were involved with the Nazi regime years later. Is that like, oh, like everyone had to be part of the Nazi regime back then if you wanted to get anywhere. And like if like he didn't have he had to, they would have killed him if he didn't volunteer to join up and like you know, like all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah. So the, the the legend goes is that he was then forced to, against his will, be like uh. pushed into aviation research where he would uh, be forced to work on this this anti gravity device that then depending upon how cranky you want to go either worked or didn't work. And there's like you know stories that he oh. like met with Hitler at a certain point because Hitler was fascinated with his ideas and like uh, blah blah blah. Like all oh, this is just like uh huh uh huh. Um, but he definitely didn't like the Nazis. <laughs> he just met with Hitler because it was a, it was like a work thing it was a business thing it wasn't necessarily because it was like a yeah you know, exactly he didn't like the nazis he, uh, yeah and, and that he like you know he became disillusioned with the nazis after his uh they 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 pushed his like you know he had ideas about free energy and and water purification and they wanted to turn it into a weapon for war and they didn't like that and so like uh, i can see the myth making already <laughs> do we know if his relatives did they think his flying machine worked it does his anti-gravity thing. Work? I'd have to like look at the episode again because they had his grandson uh, talking about him, but also it's very easy for, um, cause ancient aliens does a lot where they get somebody who doesn't believe in the crankery, but selectively edits them so that it looks like they do edit around it. Yeah. yeah. But I think he has shown up on several episodes of ancient aliens. So my guess is that if he doesn't believe it, he he's knows not, what it's about. Yeah, He's not uncomfortable with people, uh, uh, thinking that he does, I guess. Right. He's like, I'm not going to say that my grandpa, invented uh anti-gravity flying saucer but if other people say it's the other, David yeah, other people thing. say that uh, yeah. that he invented anti-gravity i don't say it but uh it's it's it is exactly david i Childers. say that other people Look, say this. i'm not saying yeah other people have said it and that's cool with me <laughs> yeah that's sort of that's that's sort of the bit um but that uh and so like that's he like yeah i didn't i didn't like the nazis because the the military stuff and i'm like um okay this is sort of like this happened with Werner von braun as well where it's like sure like they're it's like everyone starts becoming a freaking like history scholar and splitting hairs because they had to determine to what extent he understood that the rockets that he was designing were literally being built by slaves. And mm. and they're like, he couldn't have known. He wouldn't have talked to people who would have seen this happening like his brother. <laughs> 
Yeah, just yeah. Uh, it, yeah. So the the device that he reportedly built was something called the repulsine. The repulsine. Yeah, that would shape like a flying saucer. And Ancient Aliens goes as far as to slightly imply like there's two there's sort of two contradictory realities that they say in the same thing that 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 uh, Schauberger was the person behind it, or that it was a reverse engineering of alien technology, or some combination of the two. Like the the, the story they try to set up is that like a UFO that I'll probably talk about this mm-hmm. in a, a different episode. There was a reportedly a ufo crash in Freiburg about two years before the nazis took over um the german Uh, government and that their theory is that they use this technology to reverse engineer and invent a bunch of stuff that led to like the jet engine and like all their things that were kind of like invented during the nazi regime but this was so like they're like they brought in schauberger maybe because he was the only person who would have understood the sort of anti-gravity fluid dynamics of the of the ufos they didn't need an engineer they needed someone who understood fluids Mm. They needed a guy who was an ally to the gay water. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, so uh, that's the idea is that this um, he thought there's this idea that this vortex could generate this powerful implosion, this like kind of sucking force that just by like just by like forcing like fluids to flow a certain way would create a vortex that would then create like a sort of energy source that would push in a direction. That's his idea. Mm. Um, and that, uh, you know, it had propulsion jets just for directional control, but that this was the real way that it like hovered. And okay. I, I what he called an implosion based propulsion system. The other thing too, that made researching this really hard is that he called a lot of things names that then years later would become real things that were not based on his ideas, but were based on that used similar words. Like, the um, oh. like uh, there was one uh, like his trout his trout uh, turbine that he tried to make okay uh, yeah was also called the, an impulse tur- turbine which is a term for a real turbine that we use today where it uses like a nozzle so it, like concentrates the pressure of water to shoot water at the turbine blades to move it so but it's not at all connected to the thing that he that he was thinking of now right right gotcha that makes it complicated yeah and so like this is why and also the fact that and I kind of mentioned this before we started recording but like a lot of the writing about Schauberger because there's actually not a lot of like he didn't make any real contributions to physics or or to engineering but what? a lot of cranks who call themselves engineers and physicists have both one uh really like his ideas and two uh have very good seo agents <laughs> working for their websites there you go so uh, so it was really hard to kind of uh, uh, suss out like what is an actual Schauberger contribution to engineering versus uh, another invention that happened later that happened to have the same name that he gave it or how much mm. of this is like an actual contribution to power generation or anything like or turbine generation versus something that a website like livingwater.ca tries to sell. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right. I feel like I'm learning a lot about this guy, but I kind of do want to know more about this, the, the scientific stuff, anti-gravity, free energy, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any way we could get into that a little bit? Oh, we definitely will. But first, okay. do you know about any services or products that we should be getting uh, or speaking about? Um, Potentially. Actually, let me see. Let me check. And uh, I got a bag here with some products and service. Would you want to open that real quick? Yeah, you want you, you want to like crack it? You, you want to do a little bit of product and service? Just want to yeah. do a little product and service in between the... Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Good stuff. I, That's I some good you. products. I got a lot more. Ooh, I got a lot more energy. That high tier right. Colum- pure Colombian product. 
or service or service we don't know <laughs> gosh i want need some more of that uh it's been 10 minutes uh, anyways uh yeah so <laughs> the two the two major lines of crankery and i'm very sad that we couldn't get my friend rob mcdougall who's been on the show before to come on for this because this is like 150 percent his jam um is, yeah. is two bits um anti-gravity and free energy machines which are part of pseudo engineering nonsense uh like has a much deeper what? history than both of them yeah I feel like any sort of pseudoscience stuff always has to bring up at least these two things <laughs> is anti-gravity, free energy. I don't even know what free energy is, and I'm sure we'll get into it's it. It's because it isn't. It isn't. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would explain a lot, actually. It's because it's literally physically impossible. <laughs> um, All let's right. start with anti-gravity though. So um start with anti-gravity. History has long been filled with engineers trying to uh undo the effect of gravity. Okay. You might see it in the, you know, airplanes, helicopters, but there have been other ones because like one of the things that people have always tried to like uh, create is some sort of force or thing that would just undo the pull of gravity so that you do not need to have like huge amounts of power or something like that to, to push to, 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 to basically undo the repulsion of yeah. uh, the, the, the thing of gravity. And if you could figure that out, that'd be great because like gravity. the reason why sending stuff to space costs like, you know, $10,000 a kilogram or something like that is because you need to like for every kilogram you put on a rocket, on you have Earth. to have like a ton of fuel to move it into orbit. Right. So the earth is greedy and it wants to keep things here yeah it's like the biggest problem in science like we would be we would be on mars right now if it wasn't for the fact that it's prohibitively Ugh. expensive to send shit to space gravity so if you're ever curious about like why people are intent on like those mythological inventions like um like a space elevator or like you know some sort of Ooh. like uh gauss rifle gun that would like shoot magnetically propel something into space or something like that it's all to try and find more efficient ways to overcome this issue so it's been going on for a while yeah uh, so the first one I could find actually comes to like the 1920s, which was by a guy named uh, Thomas Townsend Brown, who tried to develop this anti-gravity propulsion technique that used electric fields in what he called electrogravitics. Okay. Very fun thing to say. And dedicated most it of his life electrogravitics. to- electrogravitics. Yeah. yeah. Spent his, most of his life trying to promote this. Um, and to the point where there was some in the 1950s when like, you know, the, mil the US military was, you know, going to throw money at anything. He did uh, actually get some like actual actual research grant money to uh, explore like electrogravitic technology, uh, but mm. then uh, had a bunch of issues that he couldn't explain. Uh, and what? during that period, he like, like, like the, all the DARPA money, like, like it wasn't going anywhere and he stopped getting more and more money. Uh, and also there's the fact that uh, we will talk, we'll probably do a whole episode on this that we've mentioned it before, but there was also this uh, theoretical anti-gravity device that the Germans made during World War II called Die Glocke or the bell. That, uh, yes, that, I've heard of the bell. Yeah, that's a pretty famous one. And now there's also a new sort of push to make anti-gravity called quantum electrodynamics. But uh, I love any in like modern science. If you want to just try I just add quantum in front of everything and it'll sound like, I don't know, maybe that could be the answer. Yeah, it's quantum. We don't know. There was like NASA was trying to push for a really long time to make this propulsion that works by like electricity that you can use kind of to make really really light things float but even so it's mm. not it's not working uh, uh, the main problem <laughs> with that is that they don't even know how it works 
it, uh, it, oh. it just kind of works and they don't exactly know why uh and they're like magnets yeah uh but the, that but again like this is like a thing that has been trying to be invented over and over again and uh, many engineers like i remember recent there was a recent conspiracy theory that there was this uh chinese um scientist who invented a like, this is the conspiracy theory, that she had uh was working on a patent in the u.s on trying to make this form of anti-gravity and then the the sort of like chinese secret police or whatever came to america and kidnapped her and she all of a sudden had to move back to china and never got saw uh, never got seen again and it's like uh-huh okay okay sure sure sure, sure, sure just have some xenophobic um uh, uh angles to it as well right the yep. evil chinas are coming for us or whatever but yeah, but there is no evidence that there is anything as anti-gravity and every single attempt to what? create it has been revealed to be pseudoscience. And anytime there's anything that even kind of comes close to it, like that sort of thing I mentioned about that NASA's playing around with, it's not anti-gravity. It's just propulsion. It's not, I was, it's not undoing I was gravity. It's just ask, lifting. It's just, it's just sort yes, of lift. I, I was going to ask, cause I didn't know if this would be a question for previous guest Isaac Arthur, but is anti-gravity even a thing or is that is, is it just, it is just all propulsion. Yeah. It does seem like to just be, cause like the thing is gravity at the end of the day, gravity is the result that the fabric of the universe, you know, space time. Yeah. Space time. Isn't flat. It, it, it curves. And that heavier things kind of like, you know, if you like dropped a bowling ball in the center of your bed will cause like a sort of dent around it. And yeah. gravity is just us sort of like, you know, moving, like, like being affected by those things. But yeah, by the pull of the fabric of space time yeah. from bigger objects. Massive objects, I should say. Which I'm not a theoretical physicist by any stretch of the imagination, but you could imagine that undoing that is going to require technology that we are nowhere close to understanding how to do. Mm. And if we could, the thing is that if we could find ways to like make anti-gravity or repel gravity, a bunch of stuff that we think is physically impossible all of a sudden starts to become very possible, like like time travel and weird shit like that. So it's only a matter of time, only a matter of space time. I think the thing that Isaac Arthur said on our show once that that was like if you could just let like the, the all the theories of like faster than light travel or time travel are like if you could let us have one impossible thing we can figure this out <laughs> yeah you know? like it all it works on math it works on paper but then you translate it to real life and it's like you do need an impossible thing yeah if you if we can just figure out one of the impossible things we find uh the other is free energy machines speaking of things that don't work um all right you gotta explain free energy to me i've heard this term for my entire life and i've never understood what this meant okay so this has actually been going on for like ever like as soon as like we have been trying to find uh ways to like replace human labor with energy for forever like you know like even if you think about it even things like animals pulling carts is a form of like trying to harness non-human energy or like water mills that are you being used to grind you know uh flour that kind of stuff yeah but in more recent days it's about trying to find ways to make energy from something that basically just make energy from nothing make energy from nothing yeah so like the idea that these are usually called things like uh perpetual motion machines or another term that these are used for yes uh, the idea is that they are a device that can run indefinitely without any external energy source which um if you know anything about physics is that there are two things that are called laws of thermodynamics uh, uh -huh, which are uh -huh, uh -huh. part of the laws on like what we know about how the universe functions and there are two that are really important for understanding uh the, these these sort of free energy machines one hit me with them the first law which is that energy cannot be created or destroyed it can only be moved around <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. already free energy 
seems to be not a thing because you can't really create energy. You can't create it from, but what if I could get it from nothing? Yeah. <laughs> Is that anything? <laughs> Is that anything? There's like, I mean, there's like some theories about like zero point energy, but then even then it's like, what even, like what even is like, like harvesting energy yeah. from quantum foam or something. But then you're getting into physics that well, it's again, it's a quantum thing. Just throw quantum in front of it and it's everything opens up and it's yeah. like, I don't know. Could be at the, yeah, at the extremely, extremely, extremely small level. And keep in mind, this is like almost like I'm like veering heavily. We're like in the heavy orange zone of like things that's going to have to be a cor- uh, corrections thing in the future. But there is yeah. this idea that the, of the quantum foam, which is that at the very smallest of levels, the universe seems to have like almost pixels rather than like a discrete thing. Like, you know, objects can't move from A to B like this, but like moves like like just disappears from A and appears at B. And at like a certain small enough level, you kind of just that just like that, that, that movement between those two points doesn't happen anymore. And it's just like, it just disappears from one, like it teleports to the other, like quantum teleportation is trying to extend the distance that you can do that. And it's weird and it's weird. And it's not a thing we'd like completely comprehend. But one of the things that people have talked about is like the idea of quantum foam, which is that like at this small level, there's kind of some shit that just keeps like coming in and out of existence. And we don't exactly know how it works or, and it could, it's probably going to be a natural process that we just don't have the sort of tools to really understand how it works because Mm -hmm. Everything else that we have ever studied in physics shows that you can't just make something from nothing. It's just and so we'll probably find out something about the the actual physics on how the the quantum quantum foam works. But it has led to like these ideas of like zero point energy yeah. or something like that that can harvest energy from the quantum foam and whatnot. Um, but that is but, that is like, right, so that's that's still like but that's one law. Yeah. The second right? the second being is that uh, heat can't move from a lower temperature place to a higher temperature place. This is what's called entropy, uh, and this is the sort of um this is sort of the kind of uh law that to some interpretations of it is the reason why time moves forward and not backwards which is just the idea that uh i guess like the best way to think about it intuitively would be to imagine like if i had like a canister full of gas right and i put it in like a a, a room and i punctured it the there's no point in which the gas would go back into the canister because the gas would always fill into the room kind of and on like a thing about physics is like the idea is that entropy always goes up order always sort of moves towards disorder and Mm -hmm. that if you want to turn disorder into order you have to use energy to do so right and so that means that like you know like things are always dispersing energy is always dispersing and that has been true since like you know the point of the maximal order was like you know that single point when all of the universe was like you know at the big bang right and that's why like they say that before the big bang time isn't really a useful concept because there was no things did not change. So therefore the concept of mm-hmm. like time, if you think about it, time is the process of things going through entropy and expanding. Mm. And this is why the kind of current model of physics is that in like trillions and trillions of years, the energy of the universe is going to be so spread out that um, the temperature, the average temperature of the universe is going to be indistinguishable from being, or, or almost, uh, almost indistinguishable from being absolute zero, which is called like the heat death of the universe. Ah, uh. um, so like, and that's when, and that's when we're in the end game. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's so far in the future. That's like when like even the last black holes start burning out because of like hawking radiation and shit. So like, it's, it's like 
billions of years in the future, like multiple, multiple oh, so millions of, of lifetimes of the universe already in the future. Yeah. When the, I don't have to worry about that. Then. Yeah. When every star yeah. died, like, humans will be long gone by then. <laughs> but Grey's Anatomy will be keep going. Season it's, eight trillion is amazing. <laughs> season eight trillion of Grey's Anatomy. I cannot believe Richard is still there. He's the only OG left. <laughs> Um, man, when that show ends, it's going to be like a, an event, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if you feel like shows like that always kind of go out with a whimper, not a bang, but either way. For sure. For sure. Uh, but, but yeah, so like, this is like the sort of a fact, these are like facts of the universe. Like every observation we've ever made in physics says these things are laws. Like a law is not a theory. It's not a, a hypothesis. It has been demonstrated so often over and over and over again, that it is like inviolable. We have never seen anything break these rules. Yes. They are firmly planted in our existence. Yeah. Nevertheless, people have been claiming to make free energy devices forever, including people like uh, Harry Perigo, who tr- who claimed in the 19 teens and uh, 20s to have one, but it was a hoax. Uh, I can't. Mm-hmm. I feel like Rob, my, my buddy Rob, would be uh, would be sad if I didn't also mention the Keeley motor, which was a attempt to make a free energy machine using magnets. And very often a lot of the. Um, a lot of perpetual energy machines or perpetual motion machines today mm-hmm. are just off-center wheels with magnets, which are not free energy machines. Um, it's no, I've I've heard the saying that the hardest part about building a perpetual motion machine is finding where to hide the battery. That is true. That's very true. Um, <laughs> there's also like this idea that like like other scientists have gotten into this. Nikola Tesla had this whole concept of wireless mm. energy, which uh, was then you know appropriated by ancient aliens we talked about this with like the the pyramids being a power reactor they sort of Mm -hmm. they sort of like played on this idea of wireless transmission of electrical power which tesla is one of those that tesla's idea was one of those things that's like he was wrong but like and we'll kind of get into this with 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 uh, Schauberger too. He was wrong, but then like the principle was not as wrong as we thought. And like now, in more recent times, we're just being able to play around with some of the ideas, like uh, the fact that yeah. you have an iPhone. I have actually my phone does this too. The fact that like we have wireless charging is kind of I'm doing it right now. Wireless charging, which is made by using uh uh like like magnet induction stuff, coils. Yes. Yeah, that was sort of the principle that Nikola Tesla was thinking of. But he thought that you could like broadcast uh. Like like energy, like radio. Yeah, like like a big Wi-Fi network, but for electricity and power and things. And even that's not wrong because that is at its core what radio is. And uh, mm-hmm. if you, like like radio is like broadcasting electromagnetic waves and then having something like a quartz crystal that can like that like resonates at the frequency that you're going with and like different radio frequencies mm-hmm. are like tuning it to different frequencies. And so like there has been like some theories that you could like power something by shooting it with radio waves and then having that like vibration be harnessed as energy. There's like like there's some theories that you can make like really st- really, really, really low power sensors work with that. Um, yes. But like, and, and even some ideas of like power, like wireless power transmission for like, you know, um, like, like sort of like a solar, like solar power that's in space. How do you yeah. beam that energy down to the planet? And usually it uses microwaves because you can pack a lot more energy into the space for that. Yeah. But again, there's a lot of logistical issues like dispersing in the air and stuff. But like the principle is not impossible. Yeah. But the- if there's, if there's anything to take away, it's that you can charge your phone by putting it in the microwave 
that <laughs> that's something that we want you to walk away with from this episode is go ahead, throw your phone in the microwave, put it on. Uh, I would say maybe like three minutes on high. Three minutes on high sounds perfect. <laughs> Just don't use the popcorn button. Don't use the popcorn button. That will make you tweet something racist. I can't explain why. <laughs> you will get canceled if you use the popcorn button. I do love that like we, the popcorn button has always, it, it's just a trap. There is no use. It, is, it exists for nothing else than to be a trap because <laughs> like every popcorn thing says, don't use the popcorn button. Yeah, there's if you if you want more information about the popcorn button, this is a very rare There's a technology connection, right? Technology yeah. Connections did a video about popcorn Technology Connections is such a good YouTube channel. Extremely good YouTube channel. When they made the one that said that uh, that brown isn't a color, like my brain was like I haven't watched that one. Brown isn't a color it's 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 dirty orange anyways yeah um but yeah so like but anyway. yeah so a free energy like obviously if you could figure out free energy um you would redefine physics but you would also like energy is like the big choke point of our civilization right like to the point where like sometimes we define the advancement of a civilization by how much energy they can harness so mm-hmm. many people have done this over the years and there's a big allure there's a lot of big thing but uh that that is like another thing but also uh so but on the on the on schauberger's thing there is like like the idea that one of his like primary inspirations was biomimicry, right? Like looking at how animals do things and trying to build something that does that. And that the trout in the water. Yeah. Yeah. And in his own way, even though he had no idea about why these things worked and like, you know, he had a lot of issues that was ahead of its time. And we have gotten a lot of very interesting inventions by looking at how the animal kingdom have evolved or Mm. how animals and plants have evolved solutions to things and uh, making things in that sort of vein. And so he wasn't, I've, I've heard for years that we're still trying to figure out how to make synthetic like spider web because it has really interesting properties mm-hmm. that is hard to hard to make uh, in a lab, but spiders can just do it. Yeah. So there was a point where we were trying to genetically engineer goats so that they made spider silk in their milk. Oh my God. I remember this. Yeah. Um, the spider goats. Well, don't say we, I I wasn't a part of that. We were just having all of these goats get bitten by radioactive spiders. Uh, but they just kept turning into superheroes and it just got, it they was too much. just kept wanting to fight crime. We just wanted their, their silk milk. And for, that's all we wanted. And for everyone we created, we accidentally killed a, like uh, a sheep Stacy or something like that. And yeah, it was a canon event. It had to happen. <laughs> God. That's what Goat Simulator is. Um, okay. Yeah. Goat Simulator is basically Goat <laughs> Spider-Man. Um, the other thing too is that his um his ideas, despite the fact that like they were not based on him like actually understanding physics, have like like again kind of with like Tesla's wireless power has been revisited in a way by like people who do know what they're doing, but like decades later and to some interesting effect. Like uh, one of the big ones I came across was something called Vortex Hydro. There was another company too that okay. was based out of Sweden that uh is using the idea of his like vortex thing of like how vortex to see his cre- like move things towards center to actually get debris out of water but um Suction stuff out another is a, a company called vortex hydro which is a michigan company that's trying to find a way to make sort of um like get hydrodynamic like try to get ways to get energy from water that doesn't involve building these very disruptive hydroelectric dams and stuff like that mm. and they had this idea of like you make this sort of from like I can like research about it, you make this kind of box that does encourage water to um, to move in a sort of 
uh, spiral-like fashion. And through that sort of thing, you can kind of take the natural flow of water, even if that flow is very slow, and harness that kinetic power and turn it into usable energy. It'd be a way to like have like, it wouldn't generate a lot of energy, but it would be a sure. way to generate some energy from water from a source that we normally could get nothing from. Okay. Which, which is very interesting. Um, and it, it is. Yeah, it, it's called the, uh, the major thing is called the Viface Converter, which is the device they use that uses uh, vortex-induced vibrations to generate energy. Uh, so it's like a, a hydroelectric energy thing that does not use power, but uh, but uses like cylinder movements. And it can operate in water that moves as slow as two to four knots, like really, really slow flowing water can be used really to, to generate some power, um, which is again, like in our race to, again, as we're scrambling to find sources of energy, trying to find ways to get energy from the environment that mm-hmm. uh, is renewable. And and this could be one of the many ways that we solve this. And it's not, yeah. it's not bullshit. Like it has like, it got uh, funding from the office of energy efficiency and renewable energy and has a permit from the federal energy regulatory commission to try putting some studies in the St. Clair river. So it's like, it's still like whether or not it's going to work is going to, is a part of ongoing conversion because the main problem is, is that it's not very efficient. Like it doesn't make a lot of energy. It makes very little energy. Uh, sure. But if the technology can work, that would be another source of energy. And it's based on this sort of like vortex idea that Schauberger had. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And well, you mean that he stole from a fish. They stole from a fish. Yeah. Trout really should be credited for yeah. this. Yeah. Um, trout burger. Trout burger. Yeah. Mm, sounds tasty. Um, um, that actually sounds good. I'm hungry now. Yeah. Uh, so the thing is that like the part where Tristan makes you sad was a little bit um, kind of like is another part of like, we need a stinger for this part. I don't Aww. have a sound effect for the one where Tristan oh, makes you sad. Uh, oh, beans. Let me see. Oh, I got this. I got here. How about you can decide between these two. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, versus. So sort of like sad brass instruments. Yeah, there's sort of um, I like there's sort of like an irreverence to it. I appreciate, but uh, well. So this is this is the part where Tristan makes you sad, and it goes like this. I think that guy, that works. That works well. Um, okay. But like the thing though, when I was researching this, when I even before I came, I found the connections uh, in the research. My immediate thought was, this sounds like Nikola Tesla. This is a guy who might have had some interesting ideas. I think Nikola Tesla did more actual inventions because he basically is like mm-hmm. the person who invented alternating current and like transformers and like the critical infrastructure. Human human cloning of Hugh Jackman. Is that from uh, was that Prestige? It's from the Prestige. Yes, I have not seen Good it. Good job. But, uh, I just assumed. But yeah, like Nikola Tesla, like he had real ideas that did work like he invented actual shit that is like critical to the way our electricity infrastructure works today Mm -hmm. he also and more so when he was starting to uh become like later in life when he was getting broke and and stuff um had a bunch of really crank ideas like the sort of wireless power across the world or his death ray or like get a lot of theories about resonant frequencies and stuff like that that were either bullshit like they didn't work or like they were based on like a theory of physics that we were nowhere close to being able to harness in any useful way and now like years and years and years later people are um returning to the idea not that like tesla would have known how to actually do this but like the principle is being revisited but with like modern technology to be able to try and do things like like wireless power or um yeah not death rays i don't think there's any death rays yet but uh no i don't think anyone's doing death rays no <laughs> but uh the other case is that um I think with like Schauberger, Schauberger is much less accomplished. He did not invent anything that actually had a use. 
Uh, but mm-hmm. he had these like like he was interested in concepts that others real scientists could pick up later, like like a, like about like studying vortices as a source of energy or uh, using um, using like nature as inspiration for invention. And those are like like it's kind of like like he's a, like a, it's a complex complicated historical figure because it's hard to really figure out whether he actually inspired this or if he just had these ideas ideas kind of before they would get to maturation in the rest of the world, which would say then say he was ahead of his time. And then also there's a lot of big question marks about his relationship with the Nazi regime. And just like mm-hmm. overall, like many historical figures, extremely complicated. And there's a lot more questions than answers. But uh, in those kinds of yeah. spaces where there's a lot more questions than answers, that's where the cranks can show up and start to say like, well, actually Schauberger invented a flying machine that was just far too cool so it never got uh it never saw the light of day and that uh and it, the nazis didn't use this awesome technology to do anything like win world war ii with it or something like that yeah so you think if the nazis had free energy or uh anti-gravity devices that they might have been able to really get some air superiority like you know not being dependent on gasoline for your airplanes might have been pretty useful in the war <laughs> I mean, Red Skull probably was doing some of that. He had the so. Tesseract, though. That's a, that's a different. That's a different thing. That's another free energy and machine. Tes- that's another free energy machine, potentially powered by one of the uh, one of the six stones that created the universe. Or what whatever. powers those I stones? I can't remember the lore. I don't know. I don't know. Magic or uh, uh, different energy from different universes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't keep up with Marvel yeah. anymore. Well, I will say, I was not expecting Echo to veer into pure magic um, at a certain point. So. Oh, did it? I still haven't watched it. I got it. It's good. To. It's really good. Uh, it just like, it took a cool. supernatural turn that I wasn't expecting. Anyways, uh, well, that's, that, that's, that's Victor Schauberger. Uh, again, that's Victor, a guy with not a lot of details about his life that are verified or, 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 or anything, but it opened up a lot of interesting boxes that will probably end up being topics of their own episodes in the future. Absolutely. Like, there's gotta be an ancient uh, aliens episode that has a bunch of stuff on Nikola Tesla. So we're like, we're going to have to do the Tesla episode. A hundred percent. And of course we got to do the bell. We got to do, I mean, I'm sure there's so many other things to, to explore in here. And, and is this, is this part one of a, yeah, not, this is the first, aliens and third Reich. First part of the aliens of the third Reich. That's why I did the whole thing about, we're going to be, so we're coming, we're coming back to this. I imagine Tiklaka is coming sooner rather than later. All right. Stay tuned for next week. Mm -hmm. Uh, where we'll, we'll dive into more of this and a really great place where you can stay up to date on all of our, goings on here is probs not aliens on twitter and blue sky uh that's where we have uh, updates of stuff and sometimes we tweet pictures of the things that we talked about in fact if you look up pictures of victor uh schauberger tristan made this joke before we were recording he looks like a guy who is absolutely named victor schauberger yeah so we'll tweet those out over on uh twitter and blue sky again that's at probs not aliens yeah tristan do you have a blue sky code for people so bsky dash social dash j n o seven f dash two f w U3R, all lowercase. All lowercase. So help me if you do any capitals in there, I will cry. 
Uh, Tristan, where can people find more of your stuff that you do online outside of this podcast? On, I have a YouTube channel called Step Back, which you can find at stepbackhistory.com uh, or, you know, Step Back on, on Nebula. Uh, it is a YouTube, it's a channel where I talk about why, like about history and why it's important for understanding things going on in the world. I just made a two hour video about Gaza oh. uh, and I, uh, it completely, it, it went through my, it went through my schedule like a boar going through an anaconda you know um, <laughs> uh i i lost many 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 nights of sleep um getting this I thing can passed. Imagine. uh but it's i'm on the other side of it like today uh excellent and scott if i wanted to know uh where yeah. Sabretooth was during logan where would i need to go my most popular video i think yeah. ever uh, that is full of technical errors because I was just rushing to get it out. Um, you can go to my YouTube channel called NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. I'm sure that video will be out of date by the time Deadpool 3 comes out and they probably retcon Sabretooth or what have you. So what continuity look is to that. What continuity is he even I in at this point? I don't know. What is the, I have no X-Men idea. Is, X-Men is so fucked in what continuity is going on at the moment. It's like, who can say? Yeah. Uh, that's where I make videos about nerdy stuff, comics and movies and cartoons. And I'm still, I know I've been saying this for months. I'm still working on one about licensed cookbooks, but I promise it'll be very interesting and funny and sad. It'll, I turned away. I learned how to make licensed cookbooks into a thing that makes you sad. Um, you're learning too much. So from me. <laughs> I'm learning too much from Tristan. Uh, you can get, uh, new episodes of this podcast early by going to nebula.tv slash probably not aliens. So go check that out if you want even more Nazi stuff. I there's guess. a lot. It, um, there's a, like I feel like like the part where just makes you sad could almost just be like the part where I found the Nazis while researching. Yep, yep. So uh, go over there, and it also supports the show. It really does help us out, as well as reviews of this show. People who write reviews on Apple Podcasts and uh, leave comments on YouTube or feedback on Spotify, all that stuff really does help. It makes it so uh, people who are finding the show can be like, oh, there's a audi- an active audience. There's new reviews coming in. That's great. So really does help. <laughs> and uh, also telling your friends, telling your German neighbors about the show to listen. Uh, I'm sure they would appreciate it and get a kick out of the uh, way we very professionally pronounced all of the German words and didn't make jokes uh, about it at all. I think they like that, right? And a really simple place you can send people, all of your friends and German neighbors, is problemsnotaliens.com. It's got links to everywhere where you can listen to the show. Uh, But that is it. So until next time, my name is Scott Nicewander. I'm Tristan Johnson, and the truth is out there. Wahrscheinlich. Little, a little German. For dish. Yep, one of those. Is one of those. Probably none one of, of them. Of, <laughs> probably none of them.